as we deep dive into these chilling tales. We all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where recess mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, recess mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of foul play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with foul play. And for the devoted foul play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash Shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. On Sunday evening of August 27, 2006, just after 9 p.m., police responded to a call regarding a missing child in Leesburg, Florida. What is Trent wearing, honey? I don't know. He was ready for bed. You don't know what you dressed him in before you went to bed? Um, he had his shoes off and um, or his shirt off. Um, no shoes. And how long has he been gone? You don't know? I was watching a movie that was two hours long. I checked on him before he went down to the house. As the officers arrived at the scene, 21-year-old Melinda Duckett explained that she had just put her son, two-year-old Trenton, to bed around 7 p.m. She had then watched a movie with two of her friends before going to check on Trenton. But to her horror, the two-year-old's bed was empty. Melinda was quite sure that the little boy could not have gotten out of the crib, but it was another sight that caused her and her friends to panic. Someone had cut through the window screen. From the start, the investigators had little to go on. There was no evidence or sign of an intruder, other than the slashed screen. The police could not initially conclude if the screen had really been cut from the outside, nor what tool had been used. Somehow, little Trenton had vanished from his crib without a trace and without Melinda and her friends hearing. When the police talked to Melinda later at the station, she told the officer she was going through a nasty divorce and custody battle, so it was not that far-fetched to think that her ex-husband might have had something to do with Trenton's disappearance. Melinda was born on August 4, 1985, in South Korea, She was adopted by an American couple and moved to Lockport, New York on Christmas Eve that same year. With reports of being mistreated 
and abused at a young age, it is safe to say Melinda didn't have a normal childhood. At the age of 17, Melinda moved from her childhood home to Florida, where she lived with her grandparents. She met a young man named Joshua Duckett while they both attended South Sumner High School. They had only been dating for a short period when Melinda got pregnant and their son Triton was born on August 10, 2004. Being young parents definitely was not easy. But Melinda and Joshua tried to make things work and be a happy little family. But as soon as they married in 2005, things began to spiral out of control. When police looked into the history of the couple, they revealed allegations of domestic violence, even reports of child abuse. But the thing is, even though Melinda had been swift to blame Joshua for their son's disappearance, the report showed many accusations had actually been made against the boy's mother. On April 6, 2005, a report directed at the Florida Department of Children and Families, or DCF, claimed that Melinda had threatened to hurt Trenton if Joshua did not come home and discuss their issue. The same report also mentioned an incident during which Melinda had allegedly squeezed her baby boy so tight he screamed. In the following months, DCF received more reports of Melinda's behavior and Trenton's mistreatment. Apparently, she once dangled the little boy over water to provoke Joshua. And still, even though all this allegedly happened before these two even got married, they decided to say their vows anyway. Marriage did not improve the relationship, nor did it make little Trenton's life any easier. Eventually, the situation got so bad, Melinda was involuntarily committed under the Baker Act and was later diagnosed with an obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. However, the professionals did not find any psychological reason that would prevent Melinda from being a capable and loving parent. And in fact, the way Melinda was committed was rather questionable and proved there are always two sides to every story. Apparently, Joshua and his mother had met with a family friend who was also a police chief. In his presence, Joshua had called Melinda. And afterward, they were able to convince the police chief that Melinda was a danger to herself. As a result, the Baker Act was approved. If Melinda really was self-destructive and mistreated Trenton, Joshua did the right thing by using all his means to get her help. But the whole situation was turned upside down just a little while later when Joshua suddenly recanted all of his earlier statements in June 2005. Joshua did not just say that all the allegations against Melinda were not true, but also that his mother had been the mastermind behind everything. He even signed an affidavit and filled out a restraining order against his mother based on harassment and bullying. For a while, the Duckets were back playing a little happy family. But just a couple months later, things went south again. On October 31, 2005, DCF received another report from Lake County that read Melinda scratched Joshua during an argument in the car. 
She is also alleged to have threatened to kill Trenton and held a knife against his leg. Melinda denied anything happened, but DFC had finally reached its limit. They took Trenton from his parents and placed him in foster care. But even though Trenton was finally out of his unstable family home, it did not mean the situation would last. To permanently take a child from his parents, DCF had to go in front of a judge with evidence and proof the child was in danger. In Trenton's case, the judge returned him to his parents, despite DCF's objections. But before that could happen, the Duckus needed to complete DCF's case plans and undergo psychological evaluations. Melinda passed all the evaluations, while Joshua didn't complete his portion and Melinda was awarded custody of Trenton. Melinda not only filed for divorce in June of 2006, she also filed for a restraining order due to threatening messages sent from Joshua's MySpace account, which later on was proven to be sent by Melinda herself. It could have been a new beginning, a chance for a more functioning life for all three, especially for Trenton. But instead, just two months later, the little boy vanished without a trace. Despite Melinda's accusations, when the police contacted Joshua about his son's disappearance, he did not appear suspicious. Quite contrary, he was extremely cooperative and agreed to take a polygraph test, which he passed. Joshua also did not object to the authorities looking into his father, James Jimmy Duckett, a former police officer and convicted murderer sitting on death row. Both Joshua and Melinda have visited James in prison, and she had exchanged many letters with her father-in-law, whom Melinda believed was innocent. In addition, it was revealed that Melinda had plans to visit James on August 27, 2006, the same day that Trenton disappeared. Even though that meeting was rescheduled, Authorities wondered if James could have had something to do with his grandson's abduction, but no evidence was found to support that theory. At this point, the police began to turn their focus fully on Melinda, who had failed a voice stress test and refused to take a polygraph. After all, no one else had seen Trenton for 24 hours before his disappearance. So had he really been in bed on the night of his Eliza abduction? According to Melinda's version of the events, she picked Trenton up from his grandparents on Saturday, August 26th at 4 p.m. The following day, she had gone for a short shooting practice with a 20-gauge shotgun near the Akala National Forest. But they got lost and never made it to the shooting range. They had then proceeded to drive around Central, stopping by TD Waterhouse Center in downtown Orlando, in Altamonte Springs, before heading home. From the start, the detectives were somewhat suspicious of Melinda's story. Why would she take a two-year-old to a shooting range? And even if we forget that detail, the fact that the police could not find any CCTV proving Melinda and Trenton had really been where she said they had, that quickly made her the prime suspect in the case. They could have arrested Melinda at this point, 
and interrogated her, hoping she would crack and reveal what she had done to Trenton. But instead, the police decided to just follow Melinda and wait to see if she would lead them to the two-year-old. As a result, both options would soon be out of the question. Around this time, Trenton had been missing for just over a week. Nancy Grace invited Melinda to her TV show. At first, she wasn't interested in doing the interview until she heard Joshua had agreed to do it, and she wasn't going to let Joshua get one up on her. So the young mother agreed and was then interviewed on September 7, 2006. During Melinda's interview, Nancy Grace made it clear that Melinda knew more than she was willing to tell and that her refusal to take the polygraph test was proof. The following day, on September 8, 2006, Melinda left three letters on the dashboard of her car, one to her parents, one to her grandparents, and one to the public. The one Melinda had written to her grandparents read, The main reason I'm doing this is because after my baby is found, I would not be a good mother. Melinda then walked into her grandparents' home and fetched her grandfather's shotgun before entering a closet, placing the gun under her chin and pulling the trigger. All possible information Melinda Duckett had about her son's disappearance was gone forever. Needless to say, the police believed now more than ever that Melinda had done something to Trenton. There were several witnesses that came forward in the following days, two from Wendy's, that stated that they had seen Melinda and Trenton at around noon that day, and then again about 20 minutes or so later without Trenton. Also, witnesses come forward saying they had seen Melinda and Trenton in the Ocular National Forest, but searches in that area have turned up nothing. Melinda's phone records were also gone over. After leaving Wendy's at 12.08, she phoned a friend and invited him to watch a movie that night. Police interviewed this witness, and he said he never saw Trenton that night and passed a polygraph test. Police were eventually able to confirm two locations that Melinda visited on August 26th and 27th which were a BP station south of Leesburg and an ATM in Leesburg. And that brings us to where we're at today, more than 15 years later. Trenton Duckett's fate remains a mystery. Zero evidence has been found to support any of the numerous theories of what happened to him. No fingerprints, no DNA, no clothing. The only thing that seems proved is that the window screen was indeed cut from the inside. But if Melinda really was responsible for her son's disappearance, what did she do? Did she kill Trenton, leave him in the woods, or hand him off? Unfortunately, Melinda Duckett took those answers with her to her grave. Since then, Joshua released a statement asking why the police did not arrest her when there was still time. He said it's easier to get information out of someone who's not cooperating 
than someone who's not here. Anyone with information concerning Trenton's disappearance or whereabouts is urged to call 800, call FBI, or 800-42-3-TIPS. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 